Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, this is Kristen Lee, founder and managing director of KLBM. And if you want to grow through relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friends, Travis Chapel and Eric Skorzynski. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we get into what it is you do now, I always like to take these conversations back to early childhood and get to know a little bit about you. What made you tick? Because I can't imagine that uh, the career path you're on now was the thing you said in kindergarten. Hey, when I grow up, I want to help people with their businesses. <laughs> No, it's really funny that you asked that. I was just talking with somebody about this recently. And no, I didn't even know that my my career path existed until I was, mm. you know, in my early 20s. But I was I was kind of a performant kid. I played music, I was in band and I was a cheerleader and I was in pageants. <laughs> I did all those things. And um I remember seeing Nirvana on TV for the first time and being like, I need a guitar. And I was like 10. My parents were like, God, no, please. (laughs) So anyway, I conned them into getting me a guitar eventually and got guitar lessons. And, and so I really thought I would be kind of more in music when I was younger. 
So I, I kind of tried to follow that path. And then, you know, I, I did play in bands after a while. I realized I was doing a lot of the business stuff anyway. And I turned out, it turned out that I was good at it. So I, I just followed that path and my dad and my stepmom are accountants. So gotcha. it was kind of already in my DNA. And then suddenly I got to kind of mold these, these worlds together and here we are. <laughs> Yeah, that's super interesting because most people, like I look at my my family breakup and it's very split. Like there's the creatives and then there's like, I don't even know what you'd call the the, the math, the ones that can do math. So there's me <laughs> and my mom and then there's my, my dad is like the math guy, not creative, not the literature person. And then my brother's the same way, building computers in his room. And I was out running around with the video camera. So like the creative side <laughs> and that. So it's interesting that you kind of had both. And it sounds like your parents kind of pushed you more toward the business side for sure then. Yeah, they definitely, you know, I was a smart kid. I got great grades in school. I was good at math. They actually bust me to the high school to take math classes when I was in middle school. So I was that big of a nerd. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I, it was pretty clear that I was, you know, a studious kid and I was smart. Right. And, you know, I will say today I'm a better accountant than I am a guitar player. So I think I turned out <laughs> just fine. Do you still play at all? Or do you as like a yeah, hobby? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my nails, not, not so much these days, but yeah, I've got instruments all over the house. So awesome. Awesome. I still like to make noise. So as you kind of transitioned from pursuing a music career to kind of realizing like, hey, I'm doing the business stuff for the band, I'm starting to kind of stretch into this world. Like what were the first steps you took to kind of transition into that kind of full time? So I, I got off the road and I was in school again, studying accounting. And the plan really was for me to go into public accounting and do a very traditional role through that career path. And I was still kind of playing in a band on the side, but you know, I could feel that I was being pulled in different directions and kind of, I was coming to a crossroads and I was going to have to make a choice. And, you know, once you get working, you're just really in that. And I was working at an accounting firm uh, while I was still in school and I really came down to where I was going to put my time and my focus. So I did that. And then I just general public accounting, I just wasn't that into it. I mean, right. I was good at it, but it, the, the clientele and, and just the day-to-day of it wasn't, it wasn't exciting me because right. it was just so different than the background that I came from and the things that I was really passionate about. So i I was kind of, you know, having this, this struggle internally with it. And I had friends that were still working in music and running record labels and other stuff. So I kind of started doing some stuff with them on the side. And then I just great stroke of luck met a woman who's a headhunter in Beverly Hills. And, mm. and she asked me, she's like, what are you interested in? And, and I, you know, I was like, well, I love music and entertainment and all this. And she, she just looks at me and goes, yeah, well, they need accountants too. You know, there's whole mm. companies that do that. And so she got me my first job in business management and I've been ever so grateful. <laughs> That's amazing. What what was yeah. it like transitioning from kind of the more stuffy public accounting space to working with <laughs> musicians, actors, you know, people that, you know, I mean, it, if you look are usually pretty notorious for how they spend their money. It's not, you're not, yeah. you know, you're not just managing just a normal account. Like what was it like diving into that pool for the first time? Honestly, really refreshing for me because mm. I finally felt like I was kind of back in a, in a gene pool that, <laughs> that made sense for me. I was, I was talking to people, I was running into people that I already knew, uh, which was really cool. I, I 
cross paths with people that I had, you know, kind of worked with or been on tours with and around mm. uh, once again. So that was nice. And it, it just felt like home. I felt like I, I felt like I found my place really. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. So tell me, talk to me a little bit. Cause I do, I did want to make a lot of this episode really practical for people who are listening, because what you, what you offer, what your service is, is really beneficial to everybody that listen to our show. We've got a lot of entrepreneurial types, people that are out on their own. They're they're trying to make sense of a business. They're trying to do marketing themselves. They're trying to, mm. you know, handle all the different facets of business. And one of the things in your in your bio that I thought was really funny was you talked about, you know, people come to you for a real life intervention, you know, like and it, it kind of <laughs> gives the idea that people are coming to you with emergency situations and asking you to step in and fix it. So what are what are some of the steps you'd give practically to people who are listening to who are just starting out with their business? They're a young entrepreneur. What are some foundational things they can do to avoid getting to uh, an emergency point and having to make that call? Well, you know, if you are not capable of doing some of these, uh, you know, business tasks yourself, filing your taxes, uh, setting up entities, things like that. It's okay to delegate them to a professional. You know, one of the reasons we've got a lot of creative clients is because they're not really, not that they're not business savvy because my clients are highly intelligent and a lot of them kind of, they know the basics. However, that's not where their time is best spent, right? And it doesn't matter what kind of business you run. Your time might not be best spent doing a lot of these things that that we do. So I would, you know, encourage people to not be afraid to delegate because then you can really focus on things that are growing your business, growing your brand, making you you. And I think people want to hold on to stuff so tightly. And and I get it when there's this weird, ambiguous time at the beginning where you kind of have to do it all, which is good mm-hmm. because it's great learning experience. But there's a tipping point where you're going to be in over your head. And especially when it comes to taxes and things, when you're making mistakes, it's so costly. So then you're costing yourself more money. And, you know, I always make the joke that, you know, we pay for ourselves by taking Mm. care of all this stuff for our clients and making sure things like that don't happen. So yeah, be, be okay with letting go a little bit. You know, I think delegation is really key. What is that balance of knowing? Cause I, I I talked to a lot of people in the space of, I mean, it's just in the space of podcasting, people that are like, oh, I want to edit myself. I want to learn how to do it. I want to know how much time it takes. And what level do you think people should learn or, or become familiar with how it works before delegating to someone? Because obviously there are some really great people out there that can help lighten that load. But I think a lot of people have this hesitancy to say, okay, what if I'm getting ripped off by this person? Or what if they're doing mm-hmm. something that I should be able to catch? So how much should someone educate themselves on how everything works versus how you know how soon they should delegate it out to somebody else? Well, you know, it is your business. So Right. Do your research always, you know, do your due diligence. It, that is your responsibility as a business owner. Always. I encourage people to have, you know, multiple conversations before they hire other people. So, you know, if you're looking to hire, you know, an office manager, an HR manager or something, say, you might want to have three different conversations, talk about what the costs are, talk about what the services are, you know, compare and contrast those things and, and see if there are any major differences or if you notice industry standards uh, in business management, you know, we're, our fees are an industry standard. All business managers charge the same percentage. So 
that's pretty easy to argue. But I know that there are other services out there that might fluctuate, you know, greatly depending on how in depth those service providers go for you. So, you know, it's, it's, it's looking into that and seeing what you really need and being honest. And yeah, I think that's every business owner's responsibility, but once you have those conversations and you find something that makes sense for you for what your needs are and what you can afford, then have at it. Right. What, as far as like the, I mean, obviously you're working with some very high income individuals for most people who are seeing there, is there a certain, uh, is there a certain level of business success someone should have before they start outsourcing? Like how soon should that hire be uh, to bring someone in for the, the financial element? Well, as soon as you're feeling overwhelmed by it, if not sooner, (laughs) you know, um, the thing is, is sometimes we come in and things have already hit the fan, right? And assuming that's most times. (laughs) Not always, you know, I try to encourage people to lay the foundation first so that we aren't coming in and having to scrap things from behind and clean up big messes, although it does happen all the time. But if you feel that sense of urgency and, you know, overwhelm, then you're probably past the point of having Mm. needed to bring someone on. But I think people do this because they think this is saving them money and stress. And when you hire other people to delegate tasks to, this should make your life better. You know, my staff makes my life better. They Mm. make my job, I wouldn't say easier, but they they make it possible. They aren't making things worse or adding stuff to my plate. You know, we're distributing the process more evenly so that we can function, you know, more smoothly and and more efficiently. And all of your hires should make you feel like that. And if they are, then there's, you know, you probably have the wrong person on the bus. Right. If you're looking at any hire as just purely an expense, then you probably either hired the wrong person or you weren't ready to hire out in that specific sector. That's yeah. a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's delegation should bring you, you know, room for for kind of you know free thinking or expansion or something that you know is kind of giving you a mutual benefit to what you're paying for. Otherwise, yeah, you didn't do it right. <laughs> right, right. Well, look, I got to ask you because I'm I'm. Definitely fall in the category of of too often I find myself when things hit the fan, I'm calling people going, how to fix this? Because I always feel like I've got it or I've got this good idea. I've got this good vision for something and it's going well until it's not, you know, when you get into tax season, when you get into, uh, you know, all these, you know, just this last tax season, I got to the end of the year and I was like, what happened? Like what in the world? It should have been, you know, a good situation. And why does it feel like things are falling apart here? So, I mean, obviously you don't want to get to that point, but I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who have found themselves at that point or feel like they're getting close to that. So what are maybe one or two, you know, basic mistakes that you see a lot of newer business owners make that set them up for failure really early on, whether it's not, you know, forming their business the right way or, you know, not having someone work through taxes. Like what are some of those big foundational pieces that people miss? Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Not forming your business the right way. We've seen, you know, entities set up in the wrong places. So, you know, if you live and work solely in California, then you're business, your company should also be registered in California. But, you know, people 
think like, oh, well, I can just register it in another state, you know, and and avoid the California tax. And it's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> the states tax you on where you are working, where the work is being performed and where you li- live and reside, where you're you know, where your tax residence is. So I think we see that a lot. People try to set stuff up in like Delaware and Wyoming. And and I'm like, but you're all in Los Angeles. (laughs) So it kind of defeated the purpose. And another thing is people not paying their quarterly tax estimates. When, when you're a business, you're not having your taxes withheld out of a salary. Most of the time, like, you know, like people going to a normal job would. So then you're going to get hit with you know penalties for not doing that because the IRS still expects you to pay tax in as you go, not at the end of the year. And then also you don't want the giant tax bill at the end of the year right? because a lot of times people have cash flow issues when April comes. Yeah. So, you know, pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. That's amazing that you just brought up forming in a different state because I, I was literally, I, I love TikTok. I've been, so we've been posting a ton of content over there. And there's a lot of really bad advice on a lot of TikToks because it, I think it's the virality of those of those pieces. But one of the TikToks mm-hmm. I literally watched last night was like how to set up your business in a different state and like pay someone to collect your mail for you in a different place and you know do it so you can avoid taxes within. That's the kind of tax fraud, right? <laughs> but it's funny because like when you watch it, it's you know it it looks like legit advice. Like when you sit down and watch someone, they're they're sitting there and they're like, I'm a financial blah, 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 you know, but there's, again, when you're sitting there as a, as an entrepreneur that doesn't know any of this stuff, you're watching these, these videos or YouTube videos or reading blogs, like all advice seems valid at first. And so it's really interesting. Like, like, like I said, those foundational mistakes that people make and the advice you get from other entrepreneurs who are fudging the numbers or who are, you know, trying to find these loopholes, it, it does a lot of damage. Yeah. I mean, I don't give tax advice to people that are not my clients and we don't know their situation because every situation is super unique, especially right. lately, because you've got businesses that might be set up somewhere, but because of COVID, people started moving all over the place, right? So I've got staff all over the country now. So I'm technically operating in a bunch of different states at the moment. Uh, and I have to be cognizant of that, of what that looks like in terms of, you know, how I'm going to be reporting my taxes and my payroll taxes and stuff. So we've, um, we've been, you know, going over that very carefully over the last year. And, you know, I would, yeah, I would never just get, I'll give tax tips that are very general right. to people. But, you know, I've had random people ask me, questions about tax stuff. And I'll say, well, generally with a client, I would do something like this. However, you know, I'll tell you that I can't really give you proper advice without knowing the intricacies of your individual situation, because there are just so many things at play that can change everybody's tax setup. Right. What are maybe some general legal (laughs) loopholes Mm. or things or things (laughs) that, you know, people aren't aware of that would save them a lot of time and money? Uh, you know, maybe even new developments with people working remotely, like that does change the way a company's laid out, like, you know, where you're located and where people are working from. Well, so depending on your setup, if you're an actual employee or if you're a contractor, I know there's a lot of room for people who are working for themselves and contractors to do a lot of home office deductions in this last year. So, you know, I've, I've got people that had to kind of get a whole office set up at home and spent money on that. And those things are all deductible uh, if you're running a business or you're working as a contractor at home. 
we've been really, you know, focusing on making sure we're maxing that out where where we can. Unfortunately, with the tax law changes that came a few years ago, there's not a lot to deduct for people who are employees of other companies. Hmm. There used to be some some office deductions that you could take when you were an employee, but they took those away from us. So if you're doing work and you know want to go on a contractor basis, then you know by all means do that because then you have more wiggle room to kind of deduct things on your own power. But then you've got to be careful of other costs that come along with that too, you know, liability and insurance and stuff. So right. it just depends on the individual situations. Again, it's, it's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. Give specific financial advice. Try, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's a lot. And, and it's again, something that, you know, uh, when I left my nine to five, there was so much where I was like, oh, I've got so much more freedom and money and time. And then you realize there's yeah. also, there's give or take in any situation. And like, there's so yeah. many different pieces to it. And like, even the, even the tax thing, like, oh, I'm not having taxes pulled out every month from a paycheck. Like that's not, people are just giving me checks and I got to figure that out for myself. It was Mm -hmm. a big, big shift. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the person, right? I mean, there comes a lot of responsibility with owning your own business. I actually have been working for myself for seven years this week and Mm -hmm. I complete, I've been so busy that I completely forgot (laughs) Well, happy anniversary. anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> Lucky number seven. We did it. But, you know, I'm so busy that I totally flopped it and forgot. So, you know, it's it's not a nine to five. I'm responsible for this stuff 24-7, really. Mm. And it's a big undertaking. And then there's a lot that you have to do on top of that. Because it's. I was telling one of my clients, I'm like, yeah, I business manage all of your guys' businesses, but I have to do mine too. Yeah. And people forget that. They're like, oh, right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, I have to do this for myself on top of all of your stuff. And sometimes it's easier to do it for other people than to do it for yourself. But there's a lot of responsibility in, in taking yourself out of just you know going to work and getting your paycheck. Right. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent 
fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Well, I mean, kind of kind of rolling back in, into your story, I mean, obviously you started doing this really as everybody starts as a solo force, you know, you're a, you're a solopreneur mm-hmm. kind of kind of diving in this world. Um, at what point did you decide to expand into bringing on team members for yourself? Was it the same steps? Just I started feeling overwhelmed and started bringing in people or was it was it uh, something where from the beginning you kind of started bringing in people to help lighten the load? I always knew I wanted to grow my firm into something a little bit bigger, but I did do a lot myself at the beginning, really, as I was kind of getting my feet and my feet wet. And I wanted to, I wanted to do it in a a very tempered way, mm-hmm. but then the clients started coming in and they had such amazing clients coming in that I just couldn't say no. So I was like, all right, we're doing it, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And the way that we have expanded has been interesting too, because our structure has changed, our model has changed. Now we've got people in three different offices. And so it's been interesting. But yeah, I think the plan was always to grow to a certain extent. I don't want to be a huge firm. I'm very happy to stay boutique and and allow myself to personally be hands-on with my clients. I don't want to ever get so big where I'm, you know, gone and everybody else is doing the work on them. And I've lost touch with that because my name's on the door. I feel responsible to my people. Right. Well, I mean, that's a good thing to know when it comes to something (laughs) as serious as the stuff that the person on the other end is taking it as seriously as you are. Like it's a scary thing if you can't get a hold of anybody, especially when something's going wrong. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about relationships, both for people hiring someone like yourself, for you hiring on team. I mean, even your story, really what you do now was due to a relationship with somebody, a headhunter who said, Hey, here's, Mm -hmm. you know, here's an opportunity for you. And, uh, you know, one question we ask everybody that comes on the show is, do you believe that who, you know, or what, you know, is more important? Uh, what would your answer be to that? Because you're obviously very intelligent but you also have built a, a very strong community of people around you. Uh, so I'm curious what your perspective would be. You know, they always say in entertainment, it's all about who you know, right? Mm. And look, a lot of my growth and success has come from who I know, has come directly from my network. Every client that we have has come through referral. I've never advertised. I've never had to pitch mm. clients or anything like that. Everything comes directly from people that I've worked with over the years or, you know, someone being referred by someone else that I work with. So my network has become very tight and I've got teams of managers and agents and lawyers that I work with, you know, their entire roster or at least a big part of it because we've really liked working together. And so we've stayed in each other's webs. And I think that it is really important. However, the work speaks for itself. I wouldn't be getting these referrals over and over and over again from these people if my company wasn't, you know, putting the work out and and mm-hmm. representing things, you know, as as we should. So if I'm getting a referral from someone who's maybe, you know, a friend of a friend and they were looking for a business management team and they say, "Oh yeah, I know we, you know, we love KLBM." I I better step up to the plate, you know, knock it out of the park and not make them look bad. Sure. So 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's both sides. You got to do it both. Is there any kind of I guess my question would be how do you stay top of mind with the people you're working with because in in roles like yours there's there's kind of a desire to not like if you're being noticed you know, a ton, there's, it's probably not a good thing. Like you don't want, it's one of those things you want to provide security where people aren't panicking all the time about their financial situation. So, you know, how are you, how are you staying top of mind to where they're thinking to refer you out to mention you to people and not just slip in the background? Cause if you're doing a good job, you're not going to be noticed very often. You know, you're going to be kind of working the background, making sure things are staying and, and functioning the way they should. So how do you keep where people are thinking, oh, I'm going to recommend you. Like, I'm going to bring up that person next time I get into a room. Yeah, you know, be the best. (laughs) Yeah, we work really hard to do our job as best as we can and keep our clients really happy. Mm. Uh, If we have happy clients, then everything, you know, goes smoothly. Even when things go poorly or something blows up in our faces, um, you know, it's showing our clients we have that sense of control that... Mm. Yeah, okay, this thing is happening, but we've got it. And I think COVID was a good test of that. We had, you know, that initial panic as everything was getting canceled, tours and and shoots and all this stuff. Everyone's getting sent home. We had people in other countries that were about to get stuck there. I did have a client get I had two clients get stuck in other countries for weeks and months. So, you know, it was there was a lot of panic, but it was going over the numbers and going over the information and having lots of tough conversations and getting everybody to just calm down and see that, you know, we can make a plan and we could ride this out. And we did. And everything actually went so much better than I could have ever imagined or dreamed of. Thank goodness. But we were pretty well set up to weather a bad storm, although this one was worse than I could have even made up in my head. So I think it's just yeah, just doing the best that we can for our clients, being there for them and and making sure that, you know, we're always there as a, as a soft landing pad when things (laughs) feel like they're falling apart. Yeah. I love the, the, the answer of being the best you can. And we, we shared a clip recently from Steve Martin and he's talking about advice for uh, people always ask him how to be successful in show business. And he said, I always say, be so good. They can't ignore you. And he said, nobody ever writes that answer down or ever takes it seriously. They want to know like how to write a script, how to do this, like all these little steps. And he said, if you try to be as good as you can, like people are going to come to you. Like, and it is true. It's a super unsexy answer, (laughs) but it's being consistently the best you can be and, you know, allowing people to see that over time. Yeah. Consistency. That's such a good call. I mean, Consistency is very important, especially in what we do. I mean, I try to have, you know, seamless procedures across the firm. So, Mm. you know, our filing systems are just certain, certain ways that we do things, different protocols should be pretty standard so that anyone from my team could kind of dive in on any client in any situation and generally be able to navigate that just as well as anyone else. Mm. And that gives this, you know, continuity feeling to all of our colleagues and our clients and everybody around us. And there's a sense of security there. 
And yeah. when it comes to stuff like finances and, you know, your, your personal life or your business, your babies, you want to have that sense of security. You want to feel safe. You want to feel a lot and a sense of overwhelming trust. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. Well, and it's important too, that your team is able to, like you mentioned, having a system in place, which is something again, transitioning from being a solo operation to multiple people is like being able to communicate how you do things, being able to bring people in and say like, this is the process for it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we, we look back at, at some of the early things when myself and Travis first partnered together and like, there was pretty much any issue that ever came up, went back to like, oh, we don't have a system for this, or we never communicated on what is supposed to happen with us. Like it was yeah. either, it was either a big home run or it was like, what happened? Like this just exploded. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. so establishing that super, super important when you're working with a, even one person, a VA, like having those systems in place. Yeah. You know, we've got client onboarding guides. We have staff onboarding guides and, and look, these things didn't come on day one no. and stuff still gets modified as we go. I mean, every situation can present a new challenge and, and cause you to take a step back, need to modify something, make changes and get better, right? right? We can always get better. And I'm not afraid of changing something that becomes outdated or doesn't work anymore just because that's how we've done it for so long. Because right. that system and idea doesn't work, especially right. with how fast everything changes. Our clients are getting younger, it seems, and they're super savvy. Technology is changing. The way people kind of interact and digest information is changing. And you've got to go with those trends and you've got to move pretty quickly. So yeah, if I feel like something can be improved, we're going to do it no matter how uncomfortable it might feel to make those changes. Right. How, how important have, uh, for yourself personally, how important have like masterminds or mentorships been in kind of learning how to navigate? I mean, both in the financial realm, but also as a leader, because like you mentioned, 2020, who could have predicted like they'd be checking the act of God mm-hmm. checkbox on their, right. on their forum <laughs> for that year, you yeah. know, but like w- how important has it been to get around people who are, you know, maybe a few steps ahead or people that are working in the same space as you and kind of gleaning knowledge from them? Well, I, I was really fortunate to have good bosses when I started and yeah, I had a good decade of working with some total badasses who trained me well, were really tough on me and kind of whipped me into shape. I learned a lot of good things and also things that I didn't want to do and I didn't want to take with me. So all of that was good, but I've got a great network of other business managers that I call friends that either run their other, uh, own other firms or they work at different firms and we totally bounce ideas off of each other or ask for referrals. And Mm. even from time to time, we swapped clients. I'm like, I'm too busy. I can't take this. Are you interested? Or, you know, this just doesn't suit me. Are you interested? So, you know, I think having, having those people that I can call up and say, Hey, I'm in a situation like this. Have you run into anything like this before? And then what did you do? And yeah, a lot of times we can help each other out. You Mm. know, it's been really nice. Can you think of a specific moment where having the right connection led to a big moment of success, either personally or or just in your business, where you know you had the right number for the right person at the right time? Um, 
Gosh, I mean, there's probably not one situation. <laughs> there's probably a whole bunch. I mean, lately, what's been really interesting is our team's been growing. A lot of people are kind of shuffling around over COVID and we've gotten a lot of new clients. So we've had to grow our team a lot in the last year, which is probably the opposite of what some people are experiencing. And I definitely called people that I knew and was like, Hey, I'm hiring, but you know, you don't really just want to go out onto the street and, and hire in this business. A lot of times you want some, some people who have knowledge of the industry, have a little bit of training. Our software is pretty unique, um, things like that. So I would say in recent times through the hiring process for us, it has been so crucial to be able to kind of call around and have someone who's like, yeah, I, I got a resume for you. Thank God. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Before I move us into our random round, I do want to ask one more question. And it's for the people who are starting again at the, at the bottom here. If you were to lose your existing contacts. If you're starting from ground zero today and rebuilding your business, which is probably a stressful thought to, to think about. Yeah. But if you were starting with none of your current contacts, uh, what would you do to start building up that network and that business from the ground up? Find out who the major players are, kind of who's around them and see how you get access to that. Hmm. I know entertainment can be very insular and, and hard to break in especially in Los Angeles, I think it can be really tough for an outsider if you don't know anyone. So you have to be extremely persistent and, but not in an obnoxious way, you know, (laughs) it's gotta be a a tempered effort, I guess. But I do think that there's, there's something to be said about being persistent, knowing what you want and being calculated about it and, and aligning yourself with people who you want to be aligned with. If you see a team of people that are doing what you want to do and they're doing it well, and you see yourself, you know, kind of gelling into that, then try to get a hold of those people. Mm -hmm. Even if it's coffee or lunch or something, get an hour of their time, go Mm -hmm. in there and pick brains and, and introduce yourself and make an impression. You know, I've had people do that. And then, you know, I've had interns and then they call me years later and are like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> and if they made a good impression, you're like, oh yeah, you know, how, how can we, uh, you know, help each other out or something like that. So I would say, yeah, go for it. Don't be shy. What What's the line between, and I'm curious, we're always reaching out to people, obviously for the podcast, reaching out to a, a lot of people who are in these very insular networks and, you know, <laughs> persistence has paid off time and time again, you know, where it's been you know, two, three years later, trying to get someone booked on a show or trying to get someone to schedule an interview. Sometimes it's, you know, typically it's a few months going through gatekeepers. Who's the right person to ask? What do yeah. you define as the difference between being persistent uh, in an annoying sense and being professionally persistent and trying to pursue somebody? Well, I think at a certain point, you have to recognize when you're being told no, you know, you've got to be able to read the room. And be very self-aware, you know, don't be rude. You need to be respectful of people's time. You know, we're busy. Everyone, everyone's busy. You know, if, if someone's giving you their time and attention, be very respectful and to the point, you know, kind of don't lollygag around it. Be clear about what, what you want or what you're looking for or how you think, you know, someone could help you. But at the same time, if they do give you their time and they want to, you know, impart 
impart their knowledge over. Listen, listen mm. very carefully. Don't talk over them. Take their advice. Don't be combative. Uh, I've been doing these indie music mentorship rooms with a great group of other people um, in the industry on Clubhouse. And we kind of just pop in as we can uh, a few days a week and, and musicians and other people could come in and they can ask questions to all of us who've been in the industry for a long time. And every once in a while, we'll get someone who will come in, they'll ask for advice, someone will give it to them, and then they'll get combative about it. And we're giving our time and our resources and our advice for free. And, <laughs> you know, people need to be really respectful of that. We're, right. we're out here running businesses. So I would say if somebody is willing to sit down with you and, and give that stuff to you, just make sure that you're not overtaking and that you are really being respectful of, of what they're giving out. Right. Yeah. That's super, super valuable. Um, I, I want to mm-hmm. be respectful of your time. And so I'm going to transition <laughs> us here uh, into, into our random round. It is just some random questions with some quick answers mm-hmm. just to get to know you a little bit better uh, before we close okay. up the conversation. First off, what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Oh, wow. I would like to be like, a, I don't even know, like a, like a falconry trainer. I love birds. I've never gotten that <laughs> answer. So that's, a, that's an interesting one. Uh, if you could sit on a park bench with somebody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Stevie Nicks. Mm. There's so many stories there. I just want to have a full on like girl talk with her. What would be the first question out of your mouth? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Who knows? Oh my God. I don't know. (laughs) I am totally stumped. I have a million thoughts running through my head. Probably inappropriate questions in there. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) we'll let our audience use their imagination for that one then. (laughs) Um, I yeah, love slipping that. in that. I love slipping in that question uh, because we always ask, "Who would you want to sit down with?" And I've noticed whenever I ask, "What would you ask?" Then it's like, I don't know. Like, what would I ask? And it's I true. Know. Like when you think of these people you've always want to talk to, and then you start thinking, like, okay, but how do you start that conversation? You know, like where do you go? It's well, uh, anytime I've met someone, you know, that I've looked up to either it's super awkward and they're kind of just like absolutely not or it's very organic and just mm-hmm. kind of floats into an interesting conversation so yeah i don't know i don't know what the icebreaker <laughs> is there <laughs> um, how do you like to learn best do you like books blogs podcasts videos what's your favorite way to consume content mm, all of the above i listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to a lot of audiobooks um you know while i'm working out it's a good way for me to get information in I have been pretty active on Clubhouse lately. Mm. I just pop into rooms. I like to hear, you know, the conversations that people are having, especially in the industry and kind of new technologies. There's a lot of stuff about, you know, how people are starting to use NFTs in our world. And those conversations have been really interesting. Um, Anything about finance, I'm always popping in to see what other, you know, professionals and gurus are doing out there. So Clubhouse has been kind of a fun one. It's like, it's kind of like live podcast radioing. I'm not really sure how to describe it, but it's been fun. Hmm. Uh, Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. What does that look like? Sure. I get up pretty early. I'm a morning person. I make coffee, then I work out and then I kind of eat breakfast and get ready for the day. And then I'm, I'm on the ground running. I'm usually at my desk by seven or eight in the morning. Are you working remotely right now as well? Or do you go into an office still? We are currently working remotely, although it's coming to an end. So I'm going to be in Nashville soon, 
Um, they're pretty much wide open out in Tennessee. So we're going to get people back in the office there. And um, hopefully our LA office is reopening soon because California just reopened and uh, Washington state's running a little behind, but we're hoping to be back in the fall. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I, I'm curious to this just an aside. Are you going to go back fully to business as usual or is it something where you learn like, hey, some of this, so having some people remote is honestly a better move. Are you, are you going to be pivoting a little bit based on the last few years? Well, you know what? We were already moving toward a part-time work from home or work remote situation for our staff. Um, so when COVID hit, we were a little bit ahead of the curve because this is something that we had already been making some moves toward. And so, yeah, our, our returning to work will be part-time or I have some people that just want to be back in the office. I think they're just Mm. done being in their house. That's fine. But I think we are going to start to kind of stagger people back in at the beginning, a couple days here and there, Um, maybe have like an A team and a B team. But, you know, I, I've always believed that when you have happy staff and give them flexibility to make those choices, they're going to do better work and be more productive. So I've always, since I started hiring, I've always had unlimited paid time off. I have flexible start time so everybody can come in between you know, 7 and 10 a.m. and work until their work is done or whatever. So you know, I give them that that responsibility of being a responsible adult and, and staff member and team member. And as long as everyone's, you know, pulling their weight, I'm fine. If we post that clip, you'll have so many applicants in the next couple of days. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, it's a good that's place awesome. to work. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% agree. And and that's one of the things I've, I've, I've told a couple of people, I, cause I work with a couple of clients, you know, producing their content and, and, you know, work in this and, and that's how I pick clients is like, can't, I, I will work for you late into the, you know, early into the morning mm-hmm. on projects, as long as I have the freedom to do what needs to be done and can be trusted with my expertise to get it done, you know, versus, yeah. you know, obviously if it's not getting done, there's a problem, but if you can get it done within, you know, three hours, why be punished to have to sit in a room for eight hours to do something, right. you know, some exactly. odd task. Um, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, if balls are starting to drop, then, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. but as long as it's getting done and my clients are happy, then, you know, everything's great. So That's far, awesome. so good. It's worked really well for us. What is your go-to pump-up song? Ah, listen to a lot of Beyonce when I'm getting fired up. Yeah. Beyonce formation, Cardi B money, girl power. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my wife is always blasting Cardi B with headphones because we have a four year old, yeah. but she's always going for that. Um, <laughs> what Even is, the four year old doesn't like WAP. <laughs> no, well, I didn't realize how bad my music was until I was like trying to play music on Google Home, and I was like, I can't listen to any of this. So uh, put on the kid <laughs> kid bops. You're good to go. What is something that you're not very good at? Oh gosh, I'm you know I'm really bad at household chores. I've okay. had this beautiful mirror that I bought for my bedroom and it has been sitting in a box for longer than I would like to admit. And I need to just hang it up, but it's amazing. I'm, I'm not good at that stuff. Like yeah. building shelves or drilling holes in walls. I'm like, Oh no, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I have a, a beautiful plaque that one of my clients sent to me and it's been sitting underneath my computer <laughs> for a very long time and will right. probably never make it on the wall. So mm-hmm. uh, totally yeah. relate there. 
Um, and the last question, and this is a an easy one, how can people connect with you the best? If they want to follow your story, get some of the, the general advice, not super specific tax advice, but they want to get some general advice from you, uh, you know, if you get to follow your content, where's the best place to do that? Um, we're all over Instagram. So the firm is KLBM LLC. I'm on Instagram as Miss Kristen Lee and the same for Clubhouse. So I guess industry people, I am on there speaking in the uh, rooms I was talking about earlier, at least a couple days a week, usually I give my time. So people can come in there and ask questions. We like people to actually get specific on those. So if you have okay. advice that you're needing, pop in, say hello, help you out best you can. Awesome. Awesome. We'll put links to the show notes to everywhere that people can connect with you. And, you know, potentially if somebody is looking for the services you provide, they can go check that out as well. Uh, see if it would be a good fit, but thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is super fun. <laughs> That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group podcast to profit. Travis will see you there and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.